I want to make sure that my legacy is is not forgotten and that I do what I always wanted to set out to do and I did it without fear, which was to help other women. I want to help raise them out of poverty. I want to help make that difference. Hi, I'm Catherine. I love hearing people's stories. I always have. In 2021, an idea came to me to talk to 10 people I didn't know about a meaningful day in their life. I posted the idea to my neighborhood's Facebook page and connected with 11 people who were willing to share. We met in one of our homes, and these are those conversations. For me, when I hear someone's personal experience, I understand them better. I feel connected to them through common ground or a common feeling, and I always and inevitably learn something from them that helps me in my own life. I don't know what you'll find in these conversations, but I hope it's something good. I'm so grateful all around to everyone who participated and now to you for listening. I truly hope you enjoy. Let's jump right in. Today's conversation is with Amanda. Okay, if you could introduce yourself and tell me what you're here to talk about. Okay, wonderful. My name is Amanda. I'm a career and life coach. And today I'm going to pick number three, which is I'm going for it. You're on your way towards a big goal, but you're not there yet. What dream day are you working towards? I'm so excited that you chose this one. Okay, so what is the big goal that you're working towards? So for me, being a career coach, um, it's actually pivoting into that. So after spending 30 years in corporate life, I decided with COVID to make that switch. Call me insane or not, I haven't quite worked it out yet. So I've launched my own business and um, decided to take that 30 years of coaching and leading people and put it into a business that will allow me to work with the lowest socioeconomic women who can't afford the traditional life or career coach. It's out of their reach. So to facilitate that, I've put my courses online and made it affordable for people to go in and do it. I've done it so that they can make payment plans. Just really trying to get women back into the workforce. So we know that from an American standpoint, women lost their jobs at a rate of eight to two versus men. So we now have a high unemployment rate for women because companies couldn't pivot quickly enough or they had the wrong systems in place to ensure that women can maintain their roles in a pandemic. (laughs) So you're starting your own business? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And do you have in your mind what your dream looks like? Like, do you know what it's going to look like when you wake up and you're like, oh my gosh, I've gotten there? Or is it just kind of about building your business and getting to a certain point? So I do have that dream. So my strategy is that it will get to a stage where it will be successful when I have an opportunity to move it to a not-for-profit So that I can then allow that same demographic having access to it for free. So to keep that in mind, because my strategy has to align, I then launched a new business this year as well. So one's a company, and the way that I think about it is one's going to pay the bills and one's going to be for, you know, aligned with my values and, and my heart, so to speak, where my passion lies. Where did this idea come from? Uh, I think it it really cultivated more since I've been in the US. And I think it's cultivated more because your school system is so very different than it is for the rest of the globe. And what I mean by that is, is that I've managed since I've been here in the US teams of 100 and 150, all who have these, these wonderful degrees. And yet they're sitting in minimum wage roles. And I, I, I couldn't get that concept. And yet I have no high school diploma, but I reached the corner office, six-figure salary, a director and managing billion-dollar portfolios and, and people. So I couldn't understand why the American mind thinks that they're not entitled to that as well. So that's the life coaching piece, right? How do we change our mindset? But then how do we make sure that our brand is that 
this, the piece of paper becomes insignificant? Why do I have to go into debt for hundreds of thousands of dollars to sit in a, a job that's paying me $15 an hour? So that was really, for me, cemented that there's a need for it. Like I've had the idea for quite some time, but it cemented the need for it. You said you came to the U.S., so yes. if you want to share, where did you start and kind of what brought you here? Okay, so the accent is a New Zealand accent. However, I was living and working in Melbourne, Australia for an American company, and um, I got a promotion, and that promotion was here in Nashville, Tennessee. So throughout my career, I've been very lucky to be given opportunities, and so one of that is never say no. So I was 48, uprooted my life, and headed to Nashville, Tennessee. <laughs> so here I am, <laughs> living the dream. <laughs> and so really, I just decided that after, you know, that 30 years of corporate life, how do I create that into a business? I was mentoring and coaching and helping my team with careers, and no leaders did that. So then I realized that... There's a need in the market, but the market is flooded with coaches. Mm -hmm. But there's not a market flooded with coaches who aren't putting money first. And so that's that's really what attracted me to it. So you came here with a job yes. and then somewhere along the way, was it because of COVID or another reason that you stepped away from that? No, it was, I think, tired of corporate life, to be honest. I interviewed someone a few weeks ago and one she put it really well and she said I realized I had PTSD from this corporate merry-go-round that she was on and she didn't realize she had it until she stepped away and that was very much like me I stepped away but it took me two or three months to get rid of that almost PTSD and that place of you've got to do this you've got to do that and you've got to do it to this and so really redefining what my day was going to look like. So I think it was, I'm 53 this year, so I've just turned 53. And for me, it was now or never. And yes, I took into, you know, that thought, well, hang on a minute, we're in the pandemic. But my thought also was that we're coming out of the pandemic and we've got high unemployment. Where can I help? And so the risk is all mine. <laughs> and, you know, I have also done it to the thought that, you know, I might work at Kroger's and stack some shelves. I'm not proud. I just, I believe in my vision. And if I need to, to do that to make up my mortgage payments, I'll do that. <laughs> so when you stepped away, yeah. did you have this idea kind of pretty much set, like you knew you wanted to do this? Or was it, you know, I'm just really tired of corporate life. I need a moment. No, I had already launched the Authentic Bit Coaching business. And I did that a year ago, a year before covid what was happening was I didn't have time to invest in it. Mm -hmm. And I then decided at um, that time, I'd actually take a step down from corporate life and take a step down from where I was at. So it would give me more time, but it didn't. In fact, I had more time sitting at the director level than I did at the manager level. <laughs> Go figure. <laughs> and so that was my thought process that if I want this to be successful, I have to move away. But I had to learn a lot because I've been very blessed to say if I don't know something, I employ somebody to help me. And all of a sudden, I was responsible for all this modern technology and everything going online. And so that's that's been a big challenge. <laughs> I bet. Yeah. So when you stepped away, you had your, your last day. Did, yep. did you announce it to people or was it kind of like you just slipped out quietly? I just slipped out quietly. I just said to my boss, in fact, you know, my boss was being painful this week and they had asked me to move to Chicago to relocate the team there. And so I was like, okay, well, I've got to sell my house. And, and the more I thought about it, it was, do I really want to go up there where he's being a pain and now I've got to be in, in front of him being a pain? And we just, we had words one day and I just thought, you know what? It's time. It's, it's just really time. And I just have to back myself and know that I've got this. So yeah. did you send an email or make a phone Sent call? Sent an email. And then was it like two weeks or was it the next day you were like... No, he rang me and he said to me, um, can you tell me why? And I said, you know, I just don't think that this 
is right for me anymore. And he was like, okay, we'll finish you up today. And I said, great, thank you. So it was that day. It was that very day. Oh my gosh. Yes. So I had no time to panic, but I didn't start having what the until January. And I think that's getting over the holiday break, the PTSD. Oh, I'm just loving having some time off. And then all of a sudden I was girl, you've got to get back to work. Like what time of year was your last day? November the 30th. Oh, so you remember that date. Yes. <laughs> did, you have, did you have dinner that night and you were just like, wow, all right, I did it? I had dinner. I had a glass of wine. And I remember hugging the dog saying, okay, well... We're either going to be homeless or we're going to be successful, but we'll have each other. (laughs) So, um, yeah. (laughs) So when I was in school, someone told me it was just part of their plan. They Mm -hmm. said, especially kind of as a young person coming up, if you're going to be working in corporate America, you kind of always want to have what she called an FU fund where you have enough a, a buffer that you could yes. walk away if something wasn't good for you. Right. So did you have enough of a buffer? Like, I, did you have like, okay, this is how much time I have before I need to... Correct. Six months. Okay. Well, that's... So I'm coming up to month five. <laughs> so the panic has started to set in. I did land a great client last month and they paid me today. Congratulations. And so, yay. So that gives me another month. So now I've got another month. But that's not to say that I haven't thought, okay, I'm going to start looking to stack some shelves at night uh, so that I can stretch it out. But I'm very employable. So with or without the diploma, I've got a very strong background. But the the panic's only just started to set in probably this last week, to be honest. So I'm really, you know, trying to work out how I can find these clients. Did you have a first day where you were like, okay really going to get into this or were you just all along the way working on it no january the 4th i think it was was it a monday yeah i think so the first monday in january i over the christmas break i had set up my office so it's fully set up as a work from home office and i went in there i put up plans on what i needed to do i started youtubing and researching different platforms all the different things i would need to do to move my business online do you have incremental goals that you're working towards? Yes. So each, I have a vision board. So each month I print out a vision board and it goes up in my office. And so I built a strategy for the whole year. You know, the first couple of months was, oh, okay, what's my mission? What's my vision statement? What's my strategy? I broke it up into quarters. So that's where all my corporate life stuff comes into play. And then I have the ideas and I start doing some classes via Zoom. And I'm like, well, I can't sustain that. It's got to go online. So then I had to start researching what platforms do you video? How do you utilize the YouTube place? Then I had to start, you know, looking at Member Vault. How do I put it onto a platform? What other things? So there was a whole lot of technical stuff there. And then I had to build my website and, you know, create Facebook and learn about algorithms and all sorts of things that I really do not care about at this age. But that's where my clients are. They're, they're online. How did you structure your days at first? So chaotically, because I didn't know how. Because for some reason, it was the leftovers of working corporate but at home, you know, where you don't have to get dressed and you're in your pajamas. And so what I actually started doing is I started getting up. I started having showers. I started blow drying my hair and putting makeup on and then turning off the lights and then going into my office. And then when I'd have a break, I'd turn off the office light and come out here and have my lunch. So trying to make sure that it was a structured. Also, everything's prioritized in a book. And so at night... I I have what I want to achieve that day, I review my day, and then I set my new day. So I'm, structure's not my down point. <laughs> procrastination is. <laughs> so how do you deal with that procrastination? With the procrastination, I bring my life coaching into that. And so I do meditate. I do start days. I'm a firm believer of positive affirmations. So to move that fear away, those negative thoughts, I do believe positivity breeds positivity. So if I'm in those procrastination states, 
I actually take time. I usually go and sit out on my porch. I'll read a book. I walk away from it. Mm-hmm. If I'm not having a productive day, I actually shut the laptop because it's just wasting time. So I might go for a walk. I might go for a wander around the shops or I might go and get a cup of coffee. But now what I've started to do is I've learned that you can be busy just being busy and not achieving anything. So hence why I've got this book. I have a CEO day where I do all my back office stuff and I call it my CEO day and I I set goals, what I've got to achieve. The way that I reward myself is that, so I celebrate, so we'll celebrate tonight by actually cooking a meal because I got paid. Um, And so, you know, that's my first paycheck in five and a half months. So it was a, it's a great thing. So I guess, to be honest, the way I celebrated it this morning was I reached out to a potential client and I introduced myself and I offered to take him for lunch just so he could hear my pitch. Okay, so let's talk about you getting to that first paycheck because that seems right. like a milestone on the way. It is. <laughs> <laughs> did you think the process to get there was going to take as much time as it did or did you just not know when you were like, no, let's just see how it goes? To be honest, I thought because, you know, I've got a bit of an ego, I thought, you know, people would be knocking at my door. <laughs> And it's just not the case. Like, I don't know where the slip from reality to what was in my mind. A lot of the clients that I've had have actually been word of mouth. And they used to work for me. So I had a coaching client last month. I employed her at one of my companies. And she was in a transition. And she looked me up and she said, please tell me you're still coaching. And so that was a great opportunity. And then the, the client that I have had that's the bigger paycheck, she's actually in Australia and she's a distant relative. But when I started being more prominent online, her mother said, hey, look, Tay was a chef, up and coming chef of Australia, and she had an accident. And they told her she'd never be able to cook again or stand in the kitchen. So she decided, okay, that's fine. I'll be a caterer. But again, just a bit like me, she stood in her genius, but all this back stuff that needs to be done, she didn't know how to do. But I've just spent the last six months working it out. So I packaged it up and I sold it. Wow. So that's how I got my paycheck. It wasn't in the career coaching piece and it wasn't from my online courses, but it was taking all the information that I had learned to get me to where I am to help someone else and she wrote wrote a wonderful review about she was at the stage of giving up and now renewed her passion to do what she's doing so that's the reward for me yes the paycheck but that's the reward wow you've done life coaching or career coaching both those are two different things so right now if someone came to your website what would they see who is it for it's for anyone who is wanting to make a change So I have got career life coach. The reason I put life coach in there is because one of the things that we forget is that it's easy to make a move, but if your foundation is not stable, it keeps crumbling. So people move from job to job to job and they're unhappy. It's because their foundation, and when I talk about foundation, is that they don't really know who they are, what they represent, what they're looking for. They've done no planning. And so they're seeking something. So they're seeking to find happiness, and they think that that's going to be in the next job. And they don't realize that they're not, their foundation is unhappy. So I combine the both. So sometimes, so with my last coaching client, She'd been doing some work. One of the things I said to her was, is I think we should go back to the basics. Let's start looking at the foundation. What are your goals? What's your personal brand? What is it that you want next? And I've got exercises and a template that help us structure that. So that when she goes to look for that right job, then she's got a clarity of who she is and what she's looking for. And the stars align. And what happened with her was she got five job offers. And that was was because she was able to go into the interview knowing what she wanted, knowing the values that she wanted to be aligned, having the courage to ask the right questions, and therefore going into her genius. And that's what I want people to do is go and sit within their genius. 
Did you start the life coaching, you said, when you were in the corporate job? Yes. Did you get training for it? Yes. Yes. So I'm a qualified life coach. Why I did that to complement it was that I realized that every time I did coaching or mentoring, the blocks were not work blocks. They were personal blocks. I would create mentoring programs at every company I went to Mm -hmm. and I would do it and offer it to those that wanted it. And it could be that how do you want to get to the next step? How can I influence other departments to take you in? What does that look like? What do you need to improve on? And then I would realize that if I use one for an example, she would say, I can never get the right job. And I said, because you are applying for too many. So all they see is you grabbing at things. And I said, because that's your desperation, you want to do something different. Now, here's the thing. You've got seven degrees. So hone in one and build on that. And then let's talk about what those blocks are. So she would say, well, this is how I see it. Okay, so do you think that that fits in with how corporate is going to? Because it's another way of learning something, isn't it? I think the best way to think about it is when we we think about corporate life. I wrote a blog about authenticity, the role of it in corporate life. So we're always told that we need to be authentic, authentic leaders. And we need to lean into that. I love the word, lean in. But you can only lean in so far because we we only want these pieces of you. We don't want the whole authentic you. But when you're building on it, being authentic, it's got to be the whole package. And sometimes it's very difficult to work out what's acceptable and what's not. And that's what I was trying to explain to her, is that what can we build on that makes you shine and the stuff that they've got stuck in their minds about you becomes irrelevant. So you were helping people and you just saw that they they needed some extra yes. work on their life side of things. Yes. And did you know about life coaching? Yes. Did you know a life coach or were you a No, like... I went to an organization and, okay. and did their courses. And I think that as I did it, one of the things I thought was is this will be a great marriage and it will set me above the others. Because it means then that I can help work on mindset. I can help work on self-confidence, plus the stuff that goes along with, you know, building your career. Yeah. You just decided to start these mentor programs in your jobs just kind of out of the blue? I love mentoring and I love being able to share the knowledge that I have because there's no point in keeping it to myself. So the best way to do that was to create mentoring programs because as a leader, I would, in going into a new organization, I would always ask, you know, what do you think's missing here? Well, there's no opportunity. Okay, well, what opportunity are you looking for? I don't know. Bingo. You don't know because there's no one guiding you. And the, the way to structure it and make it fair so there's no favoritism is by doing it through a mentoring program. Wow. Yeah. So you mentioned a little bit before that you didn't have, or you don't have a high school diploma. Yes. So how did you get started? So I start. I left school and I became a waitress. I was a waitress and I did that for a couple of years. And then I worked in, so I, I don't know if it's the same in America, but back in the day, if you got a government job, it was a government job for life. So I was living in a rural community and the prison and the mental institution would always take local kids in and give them jobs. So I got a job at the the men's prison as a typist and then I was probably one of the younger typists and I got asked if I'd be a, a secretary to the superintendent because I did, you know, we did shorthand and dictaphone in those days. And so that's what I did. I went down to the minimum security unit and, you know, wonderful things. I became program leaders. I got to go to a couple of classes with the inmates because they got to go to school. I got to learn to drive because, you know, for some reason, women would walk up and down. They were, It was a working farm prison, so 
you know, I would go and pick up those walking to the main institution in the van so that they wouldn't go missing on the road. But yeah, so I was 18 and, and that was, I went from waitress to, to that and then I transferred from Waikaria Prison back to Christchurch to Paparoa Prison where I got taken on as a staff clerk which meant I did some of the pay for the prison officers and I was just an aide and then um, I went overseas and I backpacked for a while. What brought that decision on? I just, it was just one of those things where it was just like, I'm 25 and... I've got some money and that's what I did. So I um, backpacked, I went to Australia. Um, a friend, something happened in Australia and I went back to Australia and while I was there, the, the airline that I'd went on went under and I didn't have a ticket home. So I was staying with some friends and one of the flatmates left and so I took that room and I found myself a job and I never went home. <laughs> So that was, you were in Australia? Yeah. So that was it. I I went from New Zealand to Australia. I didn't have any money to get home. So I had to find a job and a place to live. And, and that's how I ended up in Australia at 28 and set my life up there. Wow. Yeah. So you were able to get a job and work? I, I was able to. Back in uh, New Zealand, I had joined a company and I... A bit like Ashley Home Store, we did high purchase agreements, so as a customer service rep, I did that and one day the HR lady came and said to me, we think your customer service skills are great, would you be interested in joining the credit team? So they put me on the repossession team where we would go and repossess people's stuff that they didn't pay for and then I went from that to skip tracing. And from that, when I was in Australia, I got a job at Samsung Electronics. And from then on, I just worked my way up in credit. Ended up coming to the US as a global collections leader. And I managed the global Cummins um, engines. So you were working in Australia for for many years. And then they asked you to come move here. So I started off in Sydney and I was working for an Australian company and they moved me to Melbourne. And then I went to Cummins, Australia, and my boss had said to me, you know, you need to start networking with the US. We don't know where to put you here, but there's opportunity for you in the US. And it was well known that if you wanted to go anywhere, you had to go to the US. But I thought, oh, well, I'll just network. And they wanted, the US wanted to be doing something in Australia, and I joined that project. Amy, who employed me, just sort of said, have you ever thought of coming to the US? There's a job going. And I was like, yeah, um, I'm, I need to network. I don't really know what that looks like. I, I don't have the qualifications that you require. And then she said, oh, can I set up some time? And then the next day I was speaking to someone the day after that. And I remember after that I said to my boss, I think I was being interviewed, you know. And then I got the job offer. And she just said to me, we've had 15 interviews here in the US, all who are highly qualified, but none of them have got your experience. So, you know, they've got the pieces of paper. So back again, that cycle, all got the pieces of paper, but no one's got 20 years of experience of building global platforms. Wow. So, yeah, so that's how I got into the US with no high school diploma. Did you ever feel like that held you back or was it just you were doing the work and kind of just moving up from one job never to the next? Never until I came to the US. It, it was never even a blip on the radar because in, the, in Australia, New Zealand, in the U, in the British, in Britain, there is not such a, a thing about these diplomas, specific, especially in credit. So here in the US, you've got to have, a de, you've got to have these degrees irrespective And so I know that when I was at Cummins, you know, one of the things I said was, is can you imagine the talent we're not getting because we're not even looking at people who don't have degrees? Why don't we go into the community colleges? So I, I was really into pushing HR to build a program to go out to the community colleges, which we did do. Because for me, those in the community colleges had to work harder to be seen And they wanted it more. And, you know, I would say to my boss, look, we've got a great candidate and I wouldn't be able to employ them because they didn't have a degree. And to me, that's insane at a $22 an hour job. 
one of the things that I do is one of my online courses is about career mapping. Like, where are you today and where do you plan to be in 10 years? Because it really takes a systematic approach. I want you to look at the job description of where you want to be in 10 years and then let's map out what companies we can start researching and looking for and what gaps we've got. So you've got to do a, a SWOT, so you've got to do a gap analysis about what's key to what you've currently got. What then schooling do you need and make schooling relevant? I know people are coming to you specifically for these kind of conversations, but do you find that most people know where they want to be in 10 years? They do, but they don't plan on how to get there. And then 10 years down the track, they're like, I didn't think I was going to be working at Chick-fil-A at 30 or 40 or 50, right? And then in my mind, I'm like, well, why not? Did you put a plan in place? Did you say, okay, in order to get here, I need these skills? And how am I going to get there? I find a lot more people now and I think it's generational let's say from 30 downwards where of the thing is that it doesn't matter I'll get there mm -hmm. but those doors don't open on their own you've got to be knocking at those doors and you've got to knock at specific doors where do you want to be in 10 years retired <laughs> <laughs> I expect to be retired in 10 years and and this is my plan so my plan is build up my business in the next three or four years I expect it to be in a position where I can work anywhere I intend on going home and selling it so that I've got a retirement so yes absolutely just this isn't happenstance I've already planned out my strategy seems like you definitely would have I think that there's a younger version of me out there that could take my company to the next step. So for me, this is definitely about building the platform, building my vision, and then having someone who's upwardly mobile, not at the end of their career, but has that same passion and drive to take this business to the next level. What was it like when you posted your Facebook page or your website? Was that, were those things close together? Yes. They were they the were same day? Similar, yes. <laughs> so, I did want to pat myself on the back because I was able to build this website and I was quite chuffed by it. I launched, I got my girlfriends together, we went to Arrington, I gave them goodie bags, some marketing stuff um, and so that was great and then it gets lost because I'm still working full time and then I leave and then I have this aha moment, I've got to rebrand my business. So I rebranded everything. I changed my, my fonts, my colors. I rebranded, I, I researched what was appealing, what was calming, what was attractive. And so I've done probably three or four months of just really looking at all the technology I need to build my brand, understanding what my brand is, which is why I created my personal branding course, because that's so significant. And I'm so surprised at how many people can't articulate it. So, yes. So it's kind of working on a couple levels. You're building your business and learning all these new skills. And you're saying, you know, hey, if you want to start over, I want to help you. Yes. Yeah. And by the way, here's what I'm learning along the way. Right. Just like with the chef. I think that that was a side benefit, really. Um, when someone said, oh, you're a coach, I'm like, well, I'm not necessarily the coach that you want, but let's, dis let's have a discovery call and talk about it. And she said, look, I need help with my website. I need help. And I said, listen, let me just look at it. And then I realized her colorings are wrong. Her branding's wrong. She hasn't got the right content. And then I had this aha moment of, I've just had to do that myself. And what happens if I had someone to teach me, would I still be five months in thinking, dang it, I'm going to have to go to Kroger's and stack shelves. Do you know what I mean? Like, can I get her up on her feet? And so, you know, within two weeks, she's rebranded. She's had organic traffic come through her website. She's had two new customers. She's super excited. And she's really focused on one. It was such a mess. She was trying to do all these things to bring in money, right? And I said, hey, you're confusing everyone. I was so confused when I wanted 
went onto your website and I'm your target audience. I can't cook. I would pay anyone to give me a grazing plate and to come and set it up. And that's exactly how I like to spend time with my girlfriends. So if I can't work it out, half your clients aren't. So yeah, so it was it was so fun. What's been one of the hardest days? There's probably been more than one, I'm not going to lie. I think the not knowing where to get my clients from. And it's not just not knowing, but where are they hiding? Like, where do I go to find them? And so I'm on all these different platforms and I've got to hunt them out. And so sometimes it's like, I can't do this today. And, and you know, those are the days where I say, okay, I'm not going to worry about it. I'm going to shut my day down. The days that are hard are more frustrating than anything. Yeah. Have you had any moments where you've really thought either I can't do this or I don't want to do this? I'm a glass half full person. So I haven't had a I can't do this. I've had a you're not going to beat me day. You know, the technology piece. I'm not going to let you beat me. But I'm a, you know, my bathroom mirror has positive affirmations. I have my goals on a big sheet of paper in my bedroom so that when I wake up, I know exactly where I am. And it's those things that made me successful in my corporate life that will make me successful in my business. But it's just, yeah, the word of mouth. And I'm finding that rather than just being online, I'm now working out that I've got to do this word of mouth. So I'm getting my eyebrows done and my the beautician's talking about her friend and he's you know got a million dollar business but he can't get his back office in. And I said, oh look, he just needs some organization. And she said, well, would you have lunch with him? And I was like, of course I would. And then he didn't do anything about it. And then last night I thought, today my goal is I'm going to have the courage to reach out. So I stalked him on Facebook, found out his business name, sent him an email saying, hi, I'm friends with Piper. I know she's talked to you about me. How about I take you out for lunch and see how my business can help you? Fingers crossed he'll respond. (laughs) So I'm hoping that's my next paycheck. (laughs) But I know that, again, it's not in the wheel space, but I certainly know that my organisation skills and my back office and project management skills could help him. And that would sit under my other business I launched, which is my consulting business. Wow. Yeah. What's the scariest part for you? Not being able to pay my mortgage. Yeah. That, I mean, that's just being real. Not being able to pay my bills. Yeah. Do you have a backup plan? Or are you of the, we're just going to plan A it until plan no, A we'll is keep, impossible? Yeah, we'll keep going until it's impossible. But planning comes in that, right? So I've got, you know, I've been paid, so I've got another month. But this month is a month I'm going to have to start looking for part-time work. Okay, what does that look like? So, okay, well, I'm going to do clients Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday. I've got seven days. I can get three days of part-time work. Still be good. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Do you have a good support system around you? Do you have family support? Do you have a life coach yourself? Do you have anyone rooting for you from the sidelines? I think that, look, I have people rooting for me, but not here in the US. Like I've got friends who are very supportive. They've joined my Facebook group. They've all shared my online sales and, and, you know, so yes. And in terms of, do I have support that way? Yes. But do I have the support of someone sitting next to me saying, we've got this? No. (laughs) It's just, we've got this you know, <laughs> coming from me. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Why is this so important to you? Because I think equality starts with us as individuals. And I really believe that the world is a better place when women can stand on their own. And... I want to be a part of that movement. Yeah. That's great. That's that's for me. You know, when you set off to start your own business, which mm-hmm. is a huge task, and I'm really excited for you. <laughs> did you expect that it was going to be like this? Did you expect that your days were going to be like this? No, I really had to retrain my thought process. So 
some days I was just busy being busy and, you know, I'd keep reading online, you've got to hustle, you've got to hustle. And in my mind, I was like, who am I hustling? You're like, where do I go to that hustle? And I think it's just people being busy for the sake of it. And then I had this realisation that if I get up in the morning and I'm looking at my content online and I'm still in bed and I'm doing that for two hours, I've already done two hours work. And But because I'm so used to structure, I really, I had a hard time with that. I also have GAD, but I'm highly functioning. So GAD is general anxiety disorder. So I had mental health issues as well. So I hunt and hard about whether this would play a, a positive or negative role in that. I've actually found it's played quite a positive role in it. But I will say the challenge is my anxiety is controlled through structure. And so throwing that structure out the window has been a challenge. So where I've shaken it up is that my structure is I can do two hours in the morning and then I'll take my dog for a walk. And then, okay, I'm going to have lunch at 11 and then, you know what, I'm going to finish at three because I've been doing this since three in the morning. And it's okay because tonight while I'm watching TV, I'm going to build my content and, and do two or three hours. But I'm so used to being in that corner office that I forget that sitting in front of the TV, building all my content, and it could take three or four hours, is work. So it's just redefining what that looks like. And I actually find I work you know, nine or 10 hours a day, but it's so, it's broken up that I don't feel stressed by it. So I don't get anxiety and I feel really in a way that I'm learning to live with anxiety quite differently and maybe corporate life was part of the problem. Interesting. What do you do for fun? Oh Lord. Okay. Well, that's difficult because the aha moment I had coming out of this was that I've spent so many years building this corporate life that I actually don't have hobbies. And that was a bit of an eye-opener for me. So I got a dog. <laughs> so I have hobbies. So, you know, we do things together. But that's actually one of my goals for 2021 is to find hobbies. If someone else wanted to start their own business, mm-hmm. obviously they could come and talk to you. I know it would probably be different for every, every mm-hmm. person. But I'm going to still ask you this anyways. If someone wants to start their own business, what's one thing that they really, really need? A vision and document it. And so I went a little bit off the tracks because I was online and I was reading all these things and, and I felt pulled in all these different directions. I was like, oh, I'm going to do that. Oh, that sounds good. And then all of a sudden, you've forgotten your whole core reason for doing it because everyone's got an opinion right and not to be sucked into that like not to be sucked in hey let me tell you how I make 10k a month because well it might have worked for you but do you have the same goals as me do you have the same genius as me you know we're all at different stages so to really focus on what you want implement as much as you can with the genius you've got and then when you've used that genius be selective about pulling other people's genius in to help you that would be the best advice I could give okay yeah I wish I'd learned that (laughs) what do you think you're gonna need as you transition into this next phase what do you think is the thing you're gonna need to rely on in yourself the most consistency consistency and showing up to make sure that people see me as an authority in my space that's my biggest key and that's my my biggest goal for this quarter is showing up being consistent and letting people know that I'm an authority in what I'm telling you and building that piece of my brand cool yeah what does your family think about this oh good are you connected to your family yes yes I am so I come from a very old-fashioned my father turned 86 yesterday so It's an interesting thing because my father's never believed in women being educated. I wasn't raised to be educated. I was raised to be a wife and mother. And, you know, through the years, as I've climbed up that corporate chain, it's really annoyed my father because I've taken the role of a man who should be supporting his family. But 
I didn't tell him, I won't lie, I didn't tell him because the first thing I knew he would say to me is, what are you going to do? You'll lose your home, you'll end up bankrupt, you'll blah, 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 blah. But he rang me last week for my birthday and I hadn't told him and he said to me, so how's your business going? And I said, oh, how do you know about that? And he said, Tracy told me, so my younger sister. And I said to him, so what are your thoughts on it? And he turned around and he said, well, you know, you're at the age where you've got to try, I suppose. So I was like, oh. And I, I, I FaceTimed my sister. I said, did you tell dad that I, you know, uh, left corporate life? And she goes, yeah. And I said, how did he take it? And she said, well, he actually took it really well. And so that was a surprise for me. And I think maybe that's just, you know, had I done it when I was younger, he's all about being good at what you're doing. That would be the best way I would say he's supporting it. But, you know, it's not to say, well, do you have enough money in the bank? Do you, you know, um, yeah, dad, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. But I think part of that also is that I've always been very strict on myself. And so I've always managed to take care of myself. So I think he's probably at that stage of his life at 86 where he's like, oh, she's 53, you know. <laughs> but yeah, I was very, very surprised. I won't lie. Very surprised because he's usually got an opinion on stuff like that. Yeah. What does your sister think about it? Well, she's been very good. She's been very supportive. And, you know, I, I note this morning I was looking at Instagram and she wrote a note. We've got separate, different names because she's married. And so I just treat you like a client. Hey, great question. Thanks for asking. This is what you could do. And so she'll go onto my post without me even knowing and try and generate conversation for the groups. And so, yeah, she asks me how I'm going. So she is very supportive. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for sharing all of that. No, thank you. It's so, as we all try to step out and do something new, definitely how it's received in the family can be part of that experience in a uh, big way. In a in very influential way. Yeah. And that's not to say that that hasn't happened in the past. <laughs> <laughs> it's another story when I told my dad at 40, I thought I'd like a baby. <laughs> that did not go down well. <laughs> So yeah, so that's really, really different. So um, yeah, I um, was totally surprised, but it made me feel good that I didn't have to listen to the, the rhetoric, but also I didn't want to have to hide it either, which is a shame, right? You know, if you know your parents well enough that you, you're going to hide that milestone or just the, he doesn't see it as brave. He sees it as risky, whereas I see it as brave with risk possible. You know, just how we approach things. <laughs> what are you most proud of in yourself since you have stepped out to start your own business? This is going to be an odd one, but what I'm most proud of is that my mental health is still intact. So when you, you've lived with anxiety, so I've had it since I was 11, and so what I'm most proud of is that my mental health is very odd healthy and I'm in a very good place I feel very positive um, and in fact I have very little anxiety days compared to when I was in corporate life so I'm, I'm starting to see that there was a correlation there so maybe corporate life fed the anxiety more I mean as a child you don't necessarily understand it and it is hereditary. So I think that's what I'm most proud of, to, as weird as that sounds. Oh, that doesn't sound weird at all. Yeah, yeah. What are you looking forward to right now? And it could be something tomorrow, it could be something in a couple months, but just like, what are you really looking forward I'm to? I'm looking forward to having enough money in the bank that me and my dog could go on an adventure. <laughs> Without worrying that, oh, that, that might be the mortgage next month. So... I've gone, my life has completely changed because I've gone from six figures where I never thought about what I spent my money on to now budgeting. So, and I'm proud of that as well. But what I've realized also in that is I led an excessive life. <laughs> you know, I came from poverty, I built it up and then I think I forgot about it. And so, you know, when you don't have to think about where the next bill is going to be paid or anything like that, then you just take it for granted. 
but now it's in the forefront of my mind and I I actually like being able to feel gratitude for what I do have so I think it's a timely reminder for me. I think it also ties into you know who you want to help. That's exactly right and you know one of the things I really want and and this is not to be morbid but I'm also a firm believer about what legacy do you want to leave behind and so in my family the average mortality rate for women is about 57 58 so I've just turned 53 and so I've lived so you know I got to 50 and it was so important for me to get everything on my bucket list done and then I had this realization that I'd spent the last 20 years working feverishly to make sure I accomplished everything in my personal life and in my career that once I had marked this off and a pandemic came I realized that I hadn't enjoyed it it was just like I'm gonna leave this life and I've ticked the box And so now for me, the next eight-odd years is about living my life. And part of that was another thing that drove me into this, was like, I'm about to turn 53 this year. I want to make sure that my legacy is, is not forgotten and that I do what I always wanted to set out to do, and I did it without fear, which was to help other women. I want to help raise them out of poverty. I want to help make that difference. And... I've had cancer twice, so I'm predetermined, you know, predestined to, to, you know, finish like my mother and my older sister. And so I have this sense of urgency now, and that's what drives me. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Bet you didn't see that one coming. <laughs> no, but I love it. Yeah. I really, I really take that in. Yeah. When you were a little girl, yes. did you know what you wanted to be when you grew up? Um, you know... I was born with a heart condition, so I was born with a hole in my heart, so I was very sick right up until I was about 13, and I I grew up in a very difficult family dynamic, so it wasn't until I was in my early 20s that I realized that I suffered trauma from emotional abuse, and what that made me was an introvert, and it also made me extremely shy. But I would say that our parents define who we are. So I wanted to be a policeman like my dad. And it took me into my early teens to realise that my father didn't believe women had a role in the police form. It's a man's job. And then I wanted to be a hairdresser like my mom, but I didn't connect to that. So I fell into my career and I fell into it because I was a lost soul and boy was I an angry soul Um, and I was a victim from everything. I blamed the world for everything and one person changed my life and I, I went into this job and she was younger than me. She was 24 and I was 30 and I remember her saying to me, are you going to have problems taking orders from me? And I'm like, no. But of course I was, because I was an angry aunt. And she said to me one day, and it really changed my life, because everyone around me was getting promoted, and I just couldn't understand. I was getting all the targets. I was the highest paid, because I was always grabbing the pot of money. And she said to me, you know, Amanda, you're not going to go anywhere, because you're always a victim. And I'm like, well, what does that even mean? And she said, you have terrible victim mentality. So you've got a choice. You can either stop empowering those that made you a victim or you can stand up and shine on your own. And I did this, the very thing that she said that I would do. And I turned around and said, well, we didn't all have privileged lives like you. So I did exactly what she expected. I went straight into victim mentality and I blamed poverty and I blamed my family and I blamed my circumstances. So I was stuck in that space. And so when I went home and I really thought about what she said, I thought, I'm my own worst enemy. The reason I'm living in poverty is because I allow poverty to come in, because I, I, I expected it. And so as I started to like myself, I put myself into therapy. As I started working with her and trying to understand why I reacted to things and, and getting tools to manage my anger and my hurt changed my life. And so as 
I got and managed that, I started to be able to get jobs. And I started climbing up that corporate chain. And then I started seeing me sitting in front of me being an angry ant, like, you know, those very me 20 years ago. And like, I was able to give them the tools I was given. And then I realized that, you know, there's this gap. As I started to learn about mental health, I mean, I didn't get my anxiety diagnosed until I was 43. And that was because I had an anxiety attack in the hospital whilst I was being treated for cancer. And the reality of that was, would my life have been different if my parents had pulled their heads out of their butts and diagnosed it at 11? Like, would I have been able to marry and have a family had it been diagnosed? Instead, what I did was, is I spilt... I built really tight structure in my life so that I woke up at this time. I managed every minute of my day to prevent any meltdowns and for it to to come into my my realm. And so that affected my relationships, my friendships. You know, if you're 10 minutes late for a cup of coffee, you know, that's a meltdown for me because... My anxiety made me be there an hour early. And so you being 10 minutes late is not you being 10 minutes late. It's an hour and 10 minutes late. And so as I got a hold of that and I started to realize that I wasn't alone in it and that it wasn't that I was just a pain in someone's ass. I was actually sick. And my do- I had a wonderful doctor who said to me, lawyers, doctors, there's no shame in this. And then I started being an advocate for it because I thought that, you know, how many other people suffer in silence? And so when I worked for Cummins, I would do breast cancer. I would do Beyond Blue for the men. Like, you don't have to suffer in silence. And I remember one of them saying to me, you know, you're really open about it. And I said, because I'm not going to be ashamed of it anymore now that I know what it is. And so I'm never shy away from it. You know, I've always thought that I'm highly, what do they call it? Highly functioning with anxiety. But I've learned that highly functioning is not a positive word. And really it is, is that I'm great at managing who I am and living within that. So it's not about being highly functioning because that's then saying that I couldn't function if I, but that's not true. I I'm I'm proven I can function so yeah well it definitely seems you went through some things and then you found through your job a way forward correct and you found some tools you know you kind of were led to some things but it doesn't sound to me and I'm not hearing that you were like you know what when I was seven I knew I wanted to have the corner office and I wanted to be a businesswoman it was kind of like you were following the path forward yep and then now it's kind of like you know you really have this dream that you're giving yourself the chance to go after right uh, absolutely I didn't you know my very first overseas trip to Italy I sat in Venice in St Mark's Basilica Square and the, the group that I was with I was with a friend and they were all rushing off ringing bells and all sorts of things that you do but I just sat there I had a cup of coffee an orchestra was playing behind me I was writing out and I actually burst into tears because the reason I burst into tears because in my mind was hey this is not bad for a Kiwi girl with no education who was never expected to be anything else other than somebody's wife And I had this dawning, and then it was like, I can do anything I put my mind to. And Mm. I think that's it. It's You're right. It was never this, I'm going to be this. It was survival, and then it was, I'm going to leave it all behind and go to a new country, and then almost starting from the ground up, and then learning that I did have something wrong and then at 30 I actually got a tumor in my head and then learning to live with that and then having it removed in the after of that and then really the trajectory starting my trajectory then of my career and then being diagnosed again at 43 and and what did that mean and there's no time to be lying down it's okay to have five minutes pity party but it's, you've got to get back up because that's my journey. And the thing about what I always believe about journeys, we've all got different ones, but we all have something to impart to somebody. And there's somebody else out there having the same journey and they want to know how you managed it and they want your vibes and they want your positivity. 
and they want you to teach them how to do it as well. We can all offer each other something. Oh, agreed. Agreed. Time, reason, season. (laughs) Tiny last question, I I swear. What do you love most about yourself? Oh, so I'm just like every other woman. I have as many self-doubts as anybody else. But I'll tell you what the pandemic has taught me is I've had space to think about that and actually work on it because anxiety plays into that, right? And so for me is I wrote it on my mirror and it's my mantra is I'm enough. I'm at the age now where, yes, I'm overweight, but that's because of all the medication I'm on because of my medical history. If you don't like it, that's okay. I no longer care, you know, but before I would be really paranoid about it. But now I am, I am who I am. I'm overweight. I talk too much. I speak quickly. I love wine. I'm addicted to coffee, but I do like who I am. And you can come along for the journey. You've got to be at the front of the bus with me or if you're at the back, get off. (laughs) That's how I see it. (laughs) So... I love who I am today and sometimes I have good days and bad days but on the most part I see the good in you yeah <laughs> I am woman hear me roar <laughs> well thank you so much for your time I have thoroughly enjoyed talking oh, to no, you so have I thank you thanks for listening feel free to leave a comment about this conversation maybe what you're taking with you from it make sure to check out the other conversations if you haven't already too You can also send me a message if you have a story to share. I'd love to hear it. I'll be working on a new series soon and you could be a part of it. Sending good your way. Until next time, take good care.